And welcome back for the tenth time to the Focus Target Podcast. We've reached a milestone now, double-digit episodes. That must mean we're doing something, whether it's right or wrong. The world will be, well, I guess history will decide that posthumously. For now, we're going to do the best we can. And today, our episode uh, is about alphas, betas, and early access. Uh, and kind of all the pros and cons therein. Here, as always, to help me discuss this interesting topic are Shy and Van. Gentlemen. Hello. Good day. Good day to you both. And, uh, you know, generally here on Focus Target, we like to do a question of the day before we get into the meat of our discussion, and today is no exception. Today's question of the day is what game is actually... uh, Kind of got a little bit ahead of myself there. Sorry. I want to mention that our question of the day ties in, which is not always the case, to our actual topic of conversation. And that is, uh, what game do you think most needs an early access that currently doesn't have one? Um, Shai, what games would you like to see early access for? I know we're maybe putting the cart a little bit before the horse here because we haven't even talked about what early access is. But maybe this will whet the appetite for the discussion. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess if there was one game right now, upcoming game that I would like that I wish I could play today, it would be a game called Neo. It's N I O H. It is a uh, Japanese game um by Team Ninja and uh it is uh, similar to like the old the old Onimusha games if you remember that. It's like a samurai style game like where you're battling demonic forces, but I guess it's based off like a uh, an unfinished Akira Kurosawa script, the director of uh, Seven Samurai and uh and they're just known like I love well, they did they did the reboots of the Ninja Gaiden games on the Xbox and and carrying through to um you know the Xbox 360 and, and PS3 and uh they're just they do a um they do great action games, and this looks like both like a great action game as well as very like probably pretty difficult and just like great art directions. So I'm really looking forward to it, and I wish it was out now. It's coming out sometime uh, next year, but I wish I could play it now. Interesting, Van. What about you? Um, this was actually a very interesting question, and the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to change my answer um, for the reasons that we're actually going to discuss, um, good or bad in the rest of the podcast, as you mentioned, Smiley. But um, the simple answer is No Man's Sky. It's an indie game by a British studio, um, Hello Games. And typically, I'm not a big indie game fan, but this one looks incredibly huge. It looks like a AAA title to me in the, ex- in the um, I guess, example that it's it's so large and it's so massive and there are a ton of elements where essentially what No Man's Sky is, it's a it's a, a adventure sandbox kind of thing where you can literally fly from planet to planet and the part that intrigues me the most is that there are 18 quintillion planets. So odds are when you discover one, you can name it, um, nobody else has ever discovered it and it's going to be another planet that you can invite other people to, there's going to be uh, monsters, animals, it's going to look pretty cool. Um, and every ter- territory will will be uh, will look completely different than the other, and it's just really exciting. I'm super happy for it to come out, but because it's so complex, um, I'm kind of hesitant to say that I do want an early access in case it's full of a lot of stuff that we'll talk about later. But um, I'm I just can't sit on my hands long enough. I want to play it. You know, I'm actually really disappointed you didn't say Half Life Three. I was supposed to make that joke too, dang it. I thought about it. See, that's that's what happens when I go second on the question of the day. Yeah, yeah. An unfortunate, uh, unfortunate <laughs> side effect. I try to let you always go first, man, but not today. 
Right, uh, to answer my own question, I don't want any game to be in early access. I don't really like early access. Uh, I think it uh, is not that great of a thing. And I'd rather just take my lumps and wait for the game to come out. So what do you think that's of that? That's not fair. That, that's yeah. what I wanted yeah, to that's, say, that's but I didn't choose it. So you have to that's pick a cop-out answer. Whoa, is it, it's a cop-out answer? I'm sorry, I didn't know honesty was a cop-out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring you back. I'm going to bring us back to that answer in a little bit when we get to a certain point in the discussion that we're going to have. All right. Please feel free to do so. But Can you think of one, Smiley, off the top of your head? That you were maybe tossing around a little bit, saying, hey, this would kind of be kind of cool if I had early access to for some no, reason? No, uh, and to be honest, like pretty much all games nowadays have early access. I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, even if it doesn't now, it probably will in a couple months. Like, I can't literally cannot think of a game that one of you hasn't already mentioned um, that I'd like to try out that that isn't already out so um and maybe there's just not very many games on my horizon maybe that's something i need to you know also go back another game go back I'm and looking forward to zero dawn huh? yes horizon zero dawn i guess that's smiley's answer cool we can roll okay with it. yeah no good one answer good answer smiley we're all looking hmm. forward to that hmm. all right well let me set the stage here and uh now that we've already talked about the early access games that we're looking forward to all of us all three of us um Maybe we should just talk about what is early access, what is alpha, what is beta, what what do these things mean, and how are they different from each other, and how are they different from the actual games when they come out? Uh, the idea behind an alpha is a beta, and and a beta. Alpha is not a beta. Alpha beta, something altogether different. Uh, these alphas and betas and early access are all kind of lumped in together because it's basically an opportunity for the players to play the games before they're actually re released for retail sale. Um, and as you may imagine, if you're getting access to a game early, there's often a number of uh, drawbacks to that, and, and we'll get into those specifically, but, but usually it has to do with the level of polish and level of maybe even completion of the game. So an alpha is generally considered a game in its earliest playable form. Um, so usually in an alpha, all the features are not ready. Um, you know, a lot of stuff has been implemented. Maybe a lot of things the developers may still be planning to change or open to changing just core mechanics of the game before the act actual um release but they want to give players a chance to get in there and get some feedback get some live testing beta is usually a little bit more developed the beta phase usually is about when the when the game's pretty close to being ready and now they want to really get into some testing of of how the game's going to run usually a lot of time beta comes down to stress testing and things where they can get a feel for how um how the game's going to handle uh, multiple players, many players, especially in, in MMO situations. Early access is a little bit different, whereas alpha and beta titles usually refer to kind of early access to... Um, I guess I'm kind of confusing my words. Like a testing I'll, phase. Yeah, yeah. As or, opposed to or, a... Yes, yes, exactly. Or alpha and beta is, is kind of like a, t a pre-test of a, of a plan-to-be-finished product. A lot of time, early access tends to be kind of a where a game's a work in progress, where they're saying, hey, we've got it to a point where you can play it, and we're going to let you play it along with it, and we're kind of working on it as we go, and we're going to take feedback as you go. So they're, they're all similar, but they all um, have, have their own kind of quirks that set them apart. Uh, so what I think we want to focus on in the first part of this podcast is what are the benefits of 
alphas and betas and what are maybe some of the drawbacks. And um, the first thing we're going to talk about is the most important, which is us, the players. And, you know, what are some of the benefits to the players? Shai, what do you think the biggest benefit uh, to this, these kind of early access things is for, for players like us? Um, I think the biggest benefit is um, is the fact that basically early, like betas, alphas, early access have pretty much replaced the concept of a demo. And I think I mean this may be more of a generational thing for us. I think that the younger gamers out there may not be able to uh, really um, be able to. Um, you know, they, they may not even have a conception of this, but I mean, I remember the days back when you were subscribed to like X, you know, Xbox magazine or PlayStation magazine and the, and it wasn't the magazine you're subscribing to or picking up at the newsstand. It was the demo disc that came with it. And, you know, it would have like, you know, maybe six or seven demos for game, upcoming games you could play out, you know, play on your system. And, uh, and there was a time when demos were like, were really cool. You know what I mean? Like you, you really look forward to playing a demo for a game. And nowadays, like you don't get demos, you get, you get this, you get a beta and alpha and, uh, and an early access. So I think it's a good way of advertising your game to, uh, to gamers out there, as well as um, really just allowing gamers to, you know, try out a game ahead of time. They're excited about it and keep that, keep that excitement stoked to keep that, uh, and keep, you know, build that word of mouth and, you know, that, that early player base, I guess. Yeah. It's interesting how big demos got. I feel like, especially in the early PlayStation Xbox era where, Previously, when you had Super Nintendos and Genesis and things, those games generally came with a stock pre-bought game. When you bought your Nintendo, it came with Mario and Duck Hunt. When you bought your Sega Genesis, it came with Sonic the Hedgehog. In the PlayStation and Xbox era, I don't feel like that happened. Sometimes you had bundles, but like my original PlayStation just came with a demo disc, and it had you know little demos of 10 to 15 titles that you could that you could try out so it it was definitely an interesting time van did you do a lot with demos when you were in your yeah. gaming days hey, yeah hey. absolutely shy, shy nailed it on the head it was uh with the playstation magazine i was married to that magazine for the demo and i think the reason why demos were much bigger back then than they are now is really was it's the only it was the only way for us to get a real grasp or feel of how the game is to come where the internet wasn't as nearly as expansive as it was now internet speeds weren't even a fraction of what they are now so you couldn't just watch videos or anything like that you had to get all your information from a the magazine talking about it b the demo that came with it or c hoping that it came on tv as a commercial or something and those are really the only ways to kind of get a futuristic look into what the video game would be upon release and i think that's why it was absolutely so huge but no i i demoed you know one disc would come with two three different demos on it it was so cool being able to select the different title and it'd be anywhere from eight minutes to uh two hour i think uh metal gear even had like a two hour demo that was uh really fun i can't remember for what um release it was but i remember they had a, a long I think one you're probably thinking of the metal gear solid 2 demo i think it, it was it had that, was that the one first... in the jail no, it was the one with the tanker where you played as where you actually gotcha. played as oh, Solid yes. Snake. The only yeah, yeah. part in that game you played as Solid Snake, and like that tanker mission was pretty long. I, I was the same. I played that a lot. I played that so much. Um, I actually probably played that more than I actually played the game itself <laughs> after I got it, which is kind of funny. I like that tanker mission. You know, before that though, before the demo, the way that you tested games was by rental. If you were, uh, at least I did, like going to well, down the video the rental star. Yeah. Like, and that's something that doesn't, I mean, I guess maybe you still have, like, Gamefly and stuff like that, but I don't know how prevalent renting of games these days is. I, I haven't rented a game in, in a decade, probably. PlayStation Now? What? Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's 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 what they tried to replace it with, right? Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, if, I, if I could just jump yeah. back into something you said, I think also like this is probably speculation, but you know, you mentioned how demos weren't really that big in the you know like in the NES, SNES day, you know, kind of that era. Sure. I wonder if uh, and I don't remember if N sixty four did anything, but like I bet the I bet the um, really the you know the um, increase the media, in, right? Yeah, yeah, the media, yeah. The, the increase in the you know the saturation of CD, like you know, like how much cheaper it was exactly. to create CDs. Like, I mean, I think that making cartridge demo. Demo yeah, cartridges no, would have been a pain in the butt and super yeah. expensive to try to send out. So I mm-hmm. think that probably – and then, of course, now digitally, you know what I mean? Like there's no need to have, you know, discs. I mean, it's just easier to do that all like through yeah, digital distribution. I mean, and, but, I mean, you're right. I mean, the alphas and betas in a lot of cases are demos, right? Like that's what they yeah. are. So what else, Van? What like what, what else do you think of that's, that's good about – the alpha beta phase what do you like about it because well, i know you're very involved in a lot of alphas and early accesses yeah I, I actually try to sign up for as many as possible um whether it be a good thing or bad thing we'll find out by the end of this podcast a little teaser but um i try to f- sign up for <laughs> as many <laughs> as possible and and um i still do and anytime there's there's an alpha or a beta I'll, I'll try to either you know make my case on the application of you know being in charge of guilds and x amount of games and all this other stuff but um one of the reasons why I do that is because I, I, I'm kind of a extreme hands-on person, and it sounds kind of childish, but a I want it now type of person, and that comes. Yes, you are. <laughs> that comes with the instant <laughs> gratification that I can go ahead and you know pay for the game four months in advance, and I get to play it on a on a beta, or I get to play it on an alpha. I happen to get selected for an alpha because they tend to be a little more exclusive than the betas. I tend to get uh, get selected for an alpha, and I'll just jump right into it because I want to try it out. It's been on my radar for you know a year or so, and I've just been really looking forward to it. So as soon as it's there, I don't care if it's in its complete unpolished state where I can't understand anything that's going on. Um, I'll jump in and, and, and try to try to mess around and just get as much information about it as I can. And what tends to happen is I just get more excited about it. But it's it's absolutely that instant gratification that does it for me. You know, Van, uh, as an aside, Van brings up a good point. For those who may not be familiar, you may hear the terms thrown around open beta versus closed beta or open alpha versus closed alpha. As Van said, there's not a lot of open alpha. Usually it's more closed. And all that means is that a lot of times when they're doing these alpha and beta tests, these companies like to have a very strict control over how many people are involved, usually just so that their tasks can go well and so that they don't get overloaded with too much. So a closed beta and most alphas are usually by invite only, right? You have to sign up, you have to submit your email or something. And a lot of times if the demand is very high, everyone's not guaranteed to get in. Like they may choose 5,000 people to test out the game. And if you're part of that, cool. If not, you're out. A lot of times you'll get what's called a beta key, which will allow you to, you know, assign, uh, access the beta uh, or give that key to somebody else if you want them to to be able to take it in your place. Whereas an open beta means basically anybody can do it. Like if you can connect to it, you can try it out. And that is usually more um, used for like stress testing and stuff, which we're about to get into as we talk about the benefits to the developers. And Shai, I think uh, you might have known a little bit about stress testing because I know you've been a part of a number of stress tests yourself in games you've played. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean... I think if there's if there's one you know possibly maybe the biggest benefit to developers you know of doing a beta or an alpha I think that is probably the I would argue it's the biggest benefit I mean being able to actually make sure that when your game releases that it can actually handle the player base um, you know that uh that you want it to you know handle I mean that's that's huge and obviously we've seen a lot of games come out um, you know there've been a number of games that have come out that that 
you know, obviously couldn't handle the player base, you know, and, and I know a number of us have played the games like that, like, you know, um, Battlefield 3 and, uh, you know, games like that, that obviously, um, whether or not they had an alpha or beta phase, it obviously didn't do its job, even if they did one. Well, it brings us, and I'm going to go a little bit off map here, but maybe we just comment, comment on it really quickly. It's, it's an interesting philosophical thing when you think, especially in an MMO realm, there's kind of an acceptance that the first couple of weeks of MMO an MMO's release is going to be a little bit rocky. And part of that is because there's always such a huge influx of new players who want to try the game. And from a stress test perspective, like your servers in that first week or two have to accommodate considerably more traffic than they will during the normal life cycle of that game. And so... The question is, from a company's perspective, do you think it's worth the investment to make sure that first week of play is as painless as possible to the players, even if it means purchasing a lot of hardware that may not be necessary on the server side? I think it's not. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Van and I, I think we'll both get talked to that probably when we get to a later point in the podcast. But Yeah, I think if there was a way to inexpensively rent... The additional servers because that's essentially all it is is computing power and storage and if there's yes. a way for them to to possibly just rent that temporarily because they know like you said the, the peak drop-off is dramatic I don't, I don't have any numbers or anything to back it up but anybody who's been playing games for more than a year knows that when a game is released you just get flooded the market gets flooded in that game in that title and then literally two weeks later it's it's a fraction of what it was and that's what the servers are built for long term but if there's so if there was an inexpensive way to rent that much power i think that would be possible but then again where that power is housed would have to be trucked in and yeah that that gets into a whole messy messy area that sounds like a good podcast well it's just an interesting idea because it's like if you're stress testing in the beta or alpha what are you testing for are you testing for that first week or are you testing for thereafter it, it it's an interesting situation you're right maybe there's another it podcast is, I, there at some point and the stress test is really it's funny because it's only it's only a small part of the entire reason why you would alpha, beta, or even test in, in general. The stress part is is an extremely limited time investment in the in the in the testing process, but it's it makes a huge impact upon release whether or not you're able to get on that server the day that you buy it. Especially for someone like me, a hands-on kind of guy, you know, wanting to get in that server once I once I own it. Um, it's well, this is very extremely more frustrating. frustrating than having yes. a hot new game in your hand and all yes. your friends and you're excited to play and then yeah. especially oh, when you've been at work thinking about it all day Q- you oh, get God. home and then it's oh. q10,000 uh, are you kidding me it's yeah it's i don't know and i i just it'd be interesting i wish there were some numbers i could look at to see you know how what percentage of person is so turned off by that that they're just like you know what i'm not dealing with this and they're gone like how many potential long-term customers do you lose in that first week by people who just don't want to sit in queues and don't have the patience for that i don't know maybe it's not very many maybe maybe you can make the argument that the the people who are going to play it are going to weather through that like if they want to play that bad if they're going to be a long-term person they're going to weather through that first rocky week but i don't know it'd be interesting i'd I'd be interested in the numbers let me ask you this question you may not have the answer because i'm kind of just throwing i have all the answers van okay so check it out so during the stress test, do you think that is the developers saying, hey, this is what we forecasted. This is all the equipment that we are going to buy. We have no intent, regardless of how the stress test goes, on purchasing more equipment. We just want to see that it is able to handle it. Or do you think they are literally changing numbers on the fly? 
Because like I said, to bring in that much equipment, and typically stress test betas are done within, you know, some of them go up to the point of release or even, you know, two days before, possibly two weeks before. But they're very, very close to official release. So do you think they're stress testing just to say, hey, this is the oncoming, excuse my language, shitstorm that we're going to get from all our, our, our customers? Or are they saying, yeah, our stuff was adequate to hold it, we're good to go? I, I think it's probably a mix of both. I think in an, they probably look at it in an ideal world and say, we think this is going to be enough, let's prove it out. And then they can do some projections based on the stress test. And then maybe, you know, maybe they find out, whoa, like this isn't going to be enough. And I think we, we might have seen an example of that with Final Fantasy XIV. If you remember sure, good when fourteen first launched, the, the servers, especially the, uh, the instant servers, were not up to snuff. But they had another server on order pretty much immediately. Yeah, and that was impressive. You, it was very quick, almost quick enough to the point that you think maybe they found out during the beta or earlier before launch, That's hey, true. what we have isn't going to be enough. Let's get on it now, even though it's not going to be ready for launch because it's so soon. At least we have something on the way. So I'm sure it changes from, from company to company and game to game, but but I imagine there's a little bit of both. What do you think, Shy? Yeah, I mean, I'd forgotten that. I mean, obviously they didn't add any any actual world servers, right? Like, I don't think no, that. I think no, that but they, 14 but they did steady up their server. Yeah, yeah we should talk about servers a little so bit. I think, but what we mean by world server and actual yeah, hardware. So like, server. Point. Yeah, good yeah. Um, And I don't know if somebody wants to do that after. I mean, I don't know if you want to do that now or if you want to wait fin- till finish for me your, to... Finish your thought. Um, finish your thought. I mean, I think, like, I think... Yeah, I mean... I think that they did a good job in that I think they knew, you know, I think 14 was interesting in that they knew they had a dedicated player base and they knew that, you know, they only needed a certain, they didn't need to be a widely successful MMO in term MMO in terms of like World of Warcraft, like, you know, you know, 10 million players or whatever they needed. I think they said when it first came out, like half a million players, constant subscri- subscribers to actually be successful. And obviously they have a way outdone that, you know, they have, I think four or 5 million subscribers right now, but, uh, um, <clears throat> they, um, you know, I think like uh, like another example, and I'm and this is kind of like just I guess a sneak peek of of, of ahead of, of what we'll talk about in a little later is you know Van and I both played the Arcade beta and and it you know it was terrible like it was they terrible. didn't have they didn't have part enough, of that they didn't have servers God. like I mean, I mean I remember waiting like ten hours in the queue before I would start the queue before going to work come back I would still have an yeah. hour or two in the queue and <laughs> and and people were frustrated. And they ended up making more servers. And what happens? I mean, the biggest problem is that you know, whenever you make that, like you were saying, like the peak drop off is pretty early in, in a game. You know, a lot of people jump in early on to experience the game. A lot of people then leave. And so these developers are faced with that. Like Van said, there's not an easy or cheap way to just rent server space. So it's do you want to invest in these servers or do you not want to invest in them? And if you invest in them and then know that you're going to then have to reduce that server space later on, you know, there's two things: you're losing the cost, the money you spent on those servers. Obviously, you can probably resell them for a, for a certain amount of it, but you lost some money there. And also, it looks bad. Like when when news sites start publishing, when gaming journalists start pub, you know, publishing, you know, Arcage is downsizing its servers or Terra right. is downsizing its servers. Six like it just it just merged. sounds bad. Yeah. Like it may not yeah, be bad. Like you know, they were giving giving you additional servers at the beginning to smooth out the gaming experience, but you know, it doesn't matter. You know what what was the fact? It's you know you know journalists can put spin on stuff to get to make a story, and uh, and so I think there's there's multiple aspects to that. Yeah. And that's a good example too, because going back to what we were talking about just a moment ago, Arcage is a game that I really was early on disenchanted with, especially because of the way they handled that whole server thing and how hard it was to get in. And then you, a couple of you guys were able to get in because you had Founders Packs, which we'll get into again later, and I couldn't. And so you guys got a little bit ahead of me. And then not only could I not play, but I'm like at a disadvantage. I'm playing catch up. I'm behind you guys now. You know, like it was, it was, it put a bad taste in my mouth and I can't 
I can't help but think maybe I'm not the only one. To, to bring up uh, to address Van's point really quick because I think it's a good one, just in case you're, you know, maybe you're you're not, you know, as tech savvy and you're like, what is a server? What's a world server? What does this even mean? How does this relate to the game? Just very briefly, the the server is what drives and allows multiple hundreds and thousands of people to come online and play together. It's kind of the computer environment that allows for the interaction between its players. And so in many of these MMOs, they have what's called world servers where they kind of, you know, I mean, really, they're just, they're just, um, they're just servers that are set up to house these people, but they give them, usually they give them world names or something to kind of help you identify with where you are, what server you play on, and that's what houses your character data. So if I want to play a game with Shy and Van together, we all want to, we all have to play on the same server, so we'll all try to jump onto the same world server to make our characters. That way we have a persistent game together. Um, and so, as, as Shy was mentioning, a lot of times, the company's trying to do a balancing act where they have just enough servers to support the population because extra servers are very costly. And if you've got a bunch of ones you don't need, then the population can get very thin. And a lot of these MMOs, you're playing you're playing the game to play with other people. Like, that's the draw. So if you're playing on a, a, a desolate server that only has a couple active players per day, like, that draws a lot of the fun out of it. So they, they want to try to keep the server populations at a, a balanced area and that's a very hard juggling act for a lot of these companies to do just because of the nature of the way gamers kind of flock from one game to another it's a it's it's a it's i mean again that's another thing we do a whole podcast on because it's a very uh, interesting balance that these companies are forced to do to try to maximize their profits uh, a couple more things I want to talk about really quickly about benefits to the developers. We, we kind of went far afield on that, and that's my fault. But um, uh, some of the things that the, the developers really get out of it. Um, Shai said that the stress test he felt was the most important, and I think it's the most important from a player's perspective because it has the biggest impact on the quality of game and the quality of experience a player is going to have. But from a developer, I would say that there's some things that are maybe even more important, and that is, firstly, the market influence that, that this provides. So they're getting an opportunity to let people try out their game. This is their chance to for free in a lot of cases to get players into their game, hooked on their game, see how it is, get the word of mouth out there, oh look at this cool game and and kind of build up their subscription, get the people to go out and buy it. Like this is the way like it's it's kind of the best advertising they could do is to let people get in there and try it out and find out how fun their game is and then they want to go you know go pay full price when it comes out. Uh, the second thing is a, a lot of these early accesses and betas are you had to pay to get into. Um, not all of them by any means and there's a lot of ones that are kind of they treat the early access or the beta access as a perk if you want to prepay for something or get like a founder's pack which again we're going to talk about in more detail a little bit later but uh, in a way this is a chance for a company to make some money off their game before the game's even out uh, so every dollar they get from people to try the early access to try the beta that's money that's going into their pockets that you know, they, that they don't ever have to give back. So I think those are two very positive things for a developer and reasons to get get these betas and alphas out, out there. And that's that's why, as, as I mentioned before during the question of the day, it, it seems like every game's got a beta phase or an early access now. Like, you'd be you're hard-pressed hard to find one, and if it doesn't have one, it's probably because it's just too far out. Like, if you wait long enough, it'll probably have one. Yeah, I think the, um, I think you make a really good point about the market influence and assessment. Um, Especially, and, and the way I think about it is, if you're extremely excited for a video game and you get that taste of it, 
Yeah. Like everything's roses, man. Everything's golden. Everything's perfect. It's beautiful. Um, you haven't had a time to, you know, really dig into it for a, a long, long time and find out that, you know, maybe it's not all sugar and rainbows, but that hype will, will take the company a long way. Indeed, indeed. All right, gentlemen, I want to talk about the drawbacks to alphas and betas, and I've got some complaints to lodge myself. But before we do that, let's take a little break, shall we? We'll be back with Focus Parker. You probably think this rap will be about alphas and betas. Haters always gotta criticize. Why is this rap so boring, guys? You always think the same old line. Well, I'm about to lose my mind. Trying to think up all these rhymes. Time is never on my side. But Van and Shia, so that's why. Focus target wins the day. Saying what you gotta play. Or which ones you should stay away from. All right, and we're back with Focus Target, the podcast, and now my favorite part of the podcast where we get to bash the shit out of early access stuff. Is that what we're doing? That's what I'm doing. Yes. I don't know about the rest of you guys. <laughs> that's that's the only reason about, I came into work today. Let's, let's talk about the drawbacks. So, Van, start us off. What do you think the biggest drawbacks is to early access or alphas or betas or any of the above? Um, this is a topic we can spend hours and hours and hours on, but by far, uh, clear ahead in my mind is the fact that the product, and I know this is expected for alphas, um, even relatively expected for betas, but not so much for early access, but it seems like we're playing before the product is even complete. I know the concept for an early access is supposed to really just reward the loyal fans to get to enjoy the game ahead of time before everybody else, or in the instance of an MMORPG, um, possibly get a few levels ahead of each other to spread out that starting area that can get highly congested. Um, And... Typically, the game is supposed to be 100% polished by then, for the most part, and it tends not to be. Um, There's just issues after issues with multiple games and certain titles that you guys have heard a thousand times, um, Battlefields, and we'll get into specific games later. But it's by far the biggest drawback and the biggest put-off is the fact that we're playing the game before the product is even complete and... Um, not so much in an alpha that is effect, a little less in a beta because it's like, holy crap, what are we getting into? But mostly into an early access where you've paid and you expect a polished game and there's just glitches and the game essentially is unplayable. Once again, it's just as frustrating as going to work, coming home and sitting in a 10,000 spot queue. Well, once you get past that 10,000 spot queue, imagine being in the game and having the game unplayable, just completely compounding your frustration. Now, how many times would you say you've had that sort of experience You've I have gotten like a like an early access thing, and it's and it's made you like it, it's kind of driven you away from the game to the point that you didn't end up playing the game as much as you expected you would long term, be- specifically I, because of that. Yeah, I I would say not a numerical value as far as this many times, but I would say within the last three years of really trying out a ton of them, I would say seventy percent of the time. It's really? just like forget that it. High. This is this is absolute junk. And actually, I should say, I get I get extremely frustrated in the blood boils. Um, to really walk away from it, maybe twenty percent. This is my own fault, but maybe twenty percent. But like extremely frustrated, absolutely with seventy percent of them. And I just I always want to say, you know, hey, 
I do that acceptance thing where it, it just started. And I'm like a battered ex-girlfriend. It just started. It's going to be different next week. And then it's not different. And then, oh, it's going to be different next week. And it's not different. And then you're on the floor at forums and they start to get toxic. And you're like, well, hold on, guys. You know, relax a little bit. It's not this bad. And sure enough, it remains that bad for a long, long time. And then, so I'll, I'll get turned off immediately, probably within the first week, maybe 20% of the time. Realistically, um, after being frustrated, I think the maximum is maybe three months. If you haven't done anything for three months, which is a long time, if you think about it. If you haven't done anything in three months to fix the game, I'm out, and you're not going to get me back. That's essentially what I did with uh, SimCity. Damn it, I was gonna, sh- damn it, I was going to mention SimCity, <laughs> but it was the thing with SimCity was it was official release. That wasn't even early access. That was the official yep. release of the yeah, game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There was no excuse. That's, that was Speaking the joke. Was, I was, Smiley, didn't you do a beta ah, that was the joke I was SimCity? I did, I did. I was part of the uh, the closed beta thanks for a lot. SimCity. That was a really was. shitty release. Yeah, thanks was, for the feedback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, well, and the funny thing is, I didn't really like the game that much. Like, I was like, this I'd rather, This makes me just want to go play SimCity on the Super Nintendo that I have. And I did, if I remember correctly. And I enjoyed it. I'd like to chime in just on uh, on, on what do. Van's been talking about. But, like, just honestly, to give a positive, like, what, like, kind of what Van was saying, like, you know, you kind of think, like, this is to be expected, right? You're playing a beta, you're playing an alpha, you're playing early access, like, the game's not complete. Well, I can think of a game that was in basically, basically in early access for years that we all played together and we all paid to play that was actually really good. And I think it's the best model you can think of for early access. Do any of you guys know the game I'm going to talk, I'm going to mention? The game is Minecraft. Like, that was basically an early access game, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, it was constantly developing. It was constantly evolving. He kept adding... adding elements and content to that game and i thought i thought he did a great i thought that that the way that, that mahjong games handled minecraft is the way that that developers should handle early access games like like add polished elements to the game as you go and keep adding that on instead of trying to like release all the elements of the game and the broken mess maybe that that would be you know all at once and i think it lends itself better to some different types of games right i think minecraft is a very plug-and-play type game where they can put something out there and con- and be consistently adding to it. I think another game that comes to mind that's a lot like that is Space Engineers, which that's is, what I was uh, too. you know, it's kind of the same idea as a very Minecraftian game, but, like, it's the kind of game where they can give you something, and even if there's not that much there, if they continue to add to it, um, you know, that, that, can, that can really enhance it over time. But I think Space Engineers is a good example of a, a game that... Um, it's interesting because unlike Minecraft, like Minecraft really kind of, they put something out there and then they added a lot of enhancements that kept the core gameplay the same, but kind of fleshed it out from what I've seen. And I, and I apologize if I'm misrepresenting space engineers, cause I haven't followed it as closely in the recent, recent days because I, I kind of became disenchanted with it as the early access continued. The game really changed a lot and it kind of went away, I feel like, from what I really liked about it at first, which is more of a Minecraft explore and craft and harvest type of game. And it got very, very technical um, where like you could, you know, and maybe, I mean, maybe that's how some of the early Minecrafters felt with like Redstone and the switches mm. and things you could do with that. But like, I feel like now it's a lot about like you can write all kinds of programs and, and crazy stuff with, with the computers. And it's like, like, I'm not even sure what it is anymore. And maybe it's my fault for not being close enough to it. But like, I think that's one of the things that these games in early access. And I also want to say that I, I feel like what you're talking about, Van is, is a little bit like, so there's two early accesses and we haven't talked about this yet, but there's, there's early access where you get access to the game a couple days early before it's actual release. 
That's not, I think, what we're talking about when we talk yeah. about early access in this phase. That's more like a bonus play time, usually for pre-ordering or something like that. Like what when we talk about early access, we're talking about games that are not complete and maybe don't even have a completion timeline. Or if they do, it's very far in the future. But you're able to play it as they're continually developing it. So I just wanted to make sure we were clear on that. And so, you know, like... A game like SimCity, I don't think, falls into that category. It had a beta. It didn't have an early access. That game came out. It was released at retail, and it was terrible. And that's a problem, but that wasn't an early access situation. You might have gotten a couple days of early access, but that was a game that wasn't ready to come out. Yeah. I think the nice thing is a lot of developers, especially with the release of early access and the and the you know, controversy that surrounds it sometimes. I think a lot of developers actually aren't even calling that period leading up to the game early access. Like, I know Blade and Soul is calling it, like, head, head start. Like, I think a lot of companies actually are calling that a specific something, something besides early now. access. Yeah, like, I yeah. don't think that, yeah. And, I mean, the lines are very blurred these days. So it's, you know, for what is true for one game may not be true for another. You know, like, they're going to use different terminology and things like that. So it's kind of confusing. Uh, so... I'm going to I'm going to switch a little bit here. So we, we've talked about the like I mean the quality is obviously a concern, but that's not the thing that my biggest drawback is. My my biggest drawback that comes with the the reason I tend to avoid alphas and betas and early accesses, especially for MMOs, is it's around the fatigue of the game. Like I want to enjoy like part of what I enjoy about a game is the beginning of a game. I think that's that's true for a lot of people. I think a lot of people um you know, that's why we see in these MMO genres all the people that flock from one game play for a week, two weeks, a month and then move on to another game because that that first, those first days in a game are, are just exciting and a lot of fun and that's one of the things that I really like. I love getting into a new world and exploring and figuring out the classes and figuring out the abilities and the combat and all that stuff and Especially, especially in, in, in MMORPGs, which is the genre that I play fairly extensively, in, in most alphas and betas, with a couple exceptions, your progress does not get transferred over to the actual release. I mean, usually when they do those head starts or those jump starts where you can access the game a couple days early, it'll hold over. But, but for your betas, generally there's a wipe after alpha or beta that, that clears all the character data and, and resets all the progress. And for me, I, that really just kills it for me. I, I don't like that. I want, you know, if, I, if I'm working towards something, I want to be able to keep my progress. And then it makes it when the game actually comes out, then I don't, I don't want to have to redo all that stuff that I did during the beta. I feel like I've wasted my time. And so for that reason, especially again in MMORPGs, but in a lot of games, like I, I just, I'm not interested in the early access. I'd rather wait until it comes out live. Uh, and that way I can play it with fresh eyes when hopefully the game is at its highest quality and it's, it's a polished product and it's ready to go. What do you think about that, Van? Do you, because you, you're kind yeah, of on the I, opposite side. You play as many early accesses as you can. Like, does that right. not does that not diminish it for you when you get in there two months in advance and you level a character to level twenty, and then the game comes out and you're back back at the start? Yeah. Before I answer this, I want to ask you a question. Um, Please do. How do you combat the repeating of one to twenty uh, via the uh, beta versus the official release, or early access via the official release. How how do you combat that, or do you literally just stick it through, read everything, 
and just do the same exact thing over again, maybe with a different class this time to keep it interesting. What do you do personally? Well, and see, maybe, maybe that's one of the problems is when I've been in that situation in the past, I tend to, unless I end up playing a class that then I end up really not liking and want to go a different direction, like in a beta, I'm generally going to play the class I'm most interested in. And if it's not bad, that's what I'm going to roll to start the game again. So I am going to do things very similarly. Like I, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that's like, Oh, I tried this. Now let me try something different. Like I know what I like in these games and I, I want to try and do my best regardless of whether it's the beta or not. And so maybe okay. if I approached it differently, maybe if I approached the beta with a, let me play a class that I probably won't play in the real game. Right. But then it kind of defeats the purpose of getting in there and playing the game you want because you're not but actually you kinda, doing what you think you are. In my opinion, um, that's that's one of the things that I do. And like you said, I played a ton, a ton of, of early access where your character gets wiped time and time again. <laughs> um, in fact, Shine is probably just as, as uh, guilty or praised, however you look at it, as I am about doing these things. Um, we try multiple characters, we, which means we do the same quests over and over again. My approach to it is during the beta or during the character that I know is going to get completely wiped I spam and I try to avoid all storyline whatsoever and I just hit the button enter F R whatever it is uh, you know X just going to go through everything as fast as I can with regards to story and then of course I'll complete the tasks and all that stuff and check out my new moves and everything on, on multiple characters and I'm not necessarily certain I'm going to play for a while um, and then when the game comes out, I take my time. I read the story. I get re-engaged in it. Where before I wasn't engaged, I was just going through the movements to kind of see how polished the game was, or you know, how is combat really? How is how is dungeon rating really? How is party dynamic really? Um, and then I, I really get engaged in the game afterwards when I'm able to get invested in the story and take my character through that way. That's how I tend to avoid fatigue. However, fatigue still exists. Um, Whenever, whenever you have to remake a character, like you said, and do the same thing over again, especially when you're on your second or third character, by that time it it starts setting pretty hard. But what I'll well, tend to do is just spam through it, get invested upon official release with everybody else. It's fine. I've tried to do it that way, but I find that I always say that I'm going to do that, and then when I get to the official release, like there's pressure spam to keep through up. It anyways. And I'm running with other people, and it's right. like I so end up what do you spamming do through thing? it anyway. Okay, I now. Then I just well, recently I'll come back. I'll come back on my second character. That's a solo character, and then by that time I'm like, <laughs> I've been through this three times. I'm not gonna sit here and read this shit. You know, like... right, I'm stepping. <laughs> I'm gonna bounce ahead a little bit. Talk about Blade and Soul. Um, we Shy and I beta tested Blade and Soul. Um, this last weekend it was the the first uh, open beta that they had. Now, um, I I came up with a new theory last weekend for myself. I'm sure it's been out there before. What I want to do is kind of the opposite now. What I think I'm going to do on the next open beta for the next game that comes out, I'm actually going to take my time and go through the storyline during beta so that when official release comes by, I can spam all the quests and, and like you said, don't feel that pressure from everybody else to get ahead right away. So I'll take my time during the beta and then spam the rest of the characters as opposed to spamming the beta and get invested for the official release. And I think that would help fix that fatigue a little bit. But fatigue is real and uh it is a problem yeah i mean i think that's probably a good way to approach it what about you shy do you find that you know when you've you know play three you know a beta three weeks worth of beta before leading up to a game that then when you have to start all over do you do you not feel like like or do you just not care do you just kind of power through it and go 
I think it depends. I think like what you guys are saying, like I think you hit the nail on the head, Smiley, where like if you if, if the first beta, like you find the character you want to play, you're like, Man, I love this character. And then like you just know it, right? Then that means that's the character you're gonna play in all the betas. So either you just stop playing the betas because you know the character you wanna play, or like you said, you're just doing it all over again. Like the Blade and Souls been kind of cool for me because for the first time I feel like going into an MMO, I really have no idea what class I wanna play. Normally when I start playing an MMO or going to a beta, I have like a really good idea of like the archetype I wanna play. But Blade and Soul, I really have no idea. So I'm really playing a bunch of different classes, and so I like that. I like that. I feel like the beta period allows me to try different things out, and hopefully, then when the game releases, I've made my decision. Right? Like I'll know then I can start with the class I want to play and just go from there. But I think you're right. I think it can it can either have a lot of fatigue or not, just depending on how you approach it or how quickly you find that class or you know the ways you deal with it. I think it probably changes from person to person. You know, I'm sure there's people out there who don't even mind. They're just like, whatever. You know, I'll I'll play it like it's just 20 levels or whatever. Like, it's not that big of a deal to play it through again. So maybe, you know, maybe I'm just a whiny little bitch. That's probably the case. Well, no, you are. But I don't know if that's the reason for, for the fatigue uh, issue. Oh, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> and some of it might also be viewpoint, right? I mean, like... Like, I think we're kind of approaching the beta, like, we're, we're viewing it, and I think some of us give feedback in betas, and, like, yeah, I think we're approaching it somewhat from the that aspect, but I think a lot of us use betas as demos, and I think there's probably a lot of people out there that actually play betas to give feedback to developers, right? And so yes. That's, that's, that's their way of dealing point. with the fatigue, is they're, they're, they view it as a service to the game that they're hoping they'll love at some point, right? That, that they want to see it improve, and they're, they're dealing with it that way. That's, their, like, their service to the game. Yeah, no, fair enough. That and that, I mean, and that, I know that's that's something we didn't talk about under the benefits to the de- developers, but that's obviously a big one. Is that they do get feedback from the players, not just you know from their stuff, but actually that you know bug reports, uh, things that's like, oh, I hate this, or this is really hard, or this is doesn't make any sense to me, things like that. I, I'm sure can help the developers, especially I think probably more in the alphas and early betas where there's still time to change things. I think once you get to some of the later open betas, you know, it's good for them to know about it, but a lot of times. Things are a little bit more set in stone by that point. Yeah, that's in a patch three months down the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> It'd be cool to know. Um, I know this section is going a little bit long. It'd be cool to know like when like major decisions have been made based on beta. And I can't like yeah. Van might be able to confirm this or not. I think I think I can think of one time, and I believe it was during the Arcage Alpha beta phase that they basically changed. Um, you know, basically, if you remember, like there was like labor, like you could only play, you could only do certain things in the game so much per day, and if you didn't, if you, and then you could pay real money to like do more, basically, like quote unquote, do more crafting, do more gathering and they basically like early on I think in the development of the game you could pay for more of those items so the game would become more quote unquote pay to win which for anybody listening who doesn't know what that means is basically people who you know who have a lot more money can become a lot more powerful in the game it's not based on the time invested so much as just how your personal wealth like in real life um, and I think that actually due to feedback in the alpha beta phases they actually reduced that so you couldn't buy as many per day to try to make the game seem less pay to win I think that was something they changed so it's yeah, cool it when the... developers do that the labor pots and what they did was exactly, they added yeah. a cooldown on it. So you could buy as many as you wanted. They will take your money, but you can only use it every so many hours. Where as before it was like every two hours. So you could basically, yeah, they, by they, the time you're done yeah. with it, you could pop another one. And they said, no, 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 hold on. We're going to make this a lot longer after everybody was complaining that it was too much pay to win. They had no problem with, with selling them to you. They just didn't want you using them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, that's business, I guess. Uh, you know, real quick, too, one of the other things, um, and I think Sean wanted to say something about this perhaps, but um, is, you know, one of the other drawbacks, uh, and this is more of a drawback to the developer, but maybe it's a drawback to the player, too, is, you know, if you're game, like, let's take SimCity, right? Like, I played the beta in SimCity. I didn't like it. 
And so, whereas if they hadn't had a beta, I might have shelled out the money and tried out the game. And once I've paid the money, they got their money from me. But in this case, it didn't. So I think it can kind of be a double-edged sword if your product is not good. Like you're banking on yourself. Um, you know, kind of the public opinion is a, you know, is a is a scale that can go either way. Did you have anything on that, Shai? Sorry, I'm sorry if I if I stole your thunder. There. Yeah, I'm not actually sure. I mean, I may actually want to talk about. I mean, what I'm talking, what I what I wanted to mention was this. Maybe even something different was. I think that the term beta often is misunderstood to the public, and so I think you may advertise a beta mm. or an alpha or alpha early access. You get people in there thinking, oh man, this is I get to play the game, and they don't realize that. Oh wait, this means, and this is maybe is the reason we're having the podcast is as to educate our listeners. But you know. They're understand that this is an unfinished game possibly and so they get in and um and you know they uh i don't know you know it's not finished and it gives them a negative impression just because they uh you know they weren't they were expecting a polished game and it wasn't and so just like getting that word out there and letting people know what that means is good all right, we, we've gone a little bit long on this, so as usual, as we're coming towards the end of our podcast, we may have to rush and do it a little bit more than we want, but we, we, wanted, to, um, we wanted to talk about some of the games that we've, that we've had some experience with and just kind of give you our thoughts on maybe the alphas or betas we've participated in. We've talked a little bit about it, spoken, I guess, a little bit about it. Talking, that's not even a word. Um, alphas, Van, tell me about the DayZ alpha. The... Um... Can, can you get sorry? I was having my issues. The, the Day Z Alpha. I know what you said. I was having a <laughs> I was having Z. E to T issues. Um, Day Z Alpha was amazing. Uh, now there's two different alphas here. There's the one that um, Dean Hall did, which was really just a mod of the Arma 2 engine, and he called it an Alpha 2. Um, was it a real Alpha? I don't think so because he didn't have a publishing company at that time or anything. He since got picked up by Bohemian, um, who also does Fallout and a couple of, or I'm sorry, Bethesda. Bohemia, Bethesda, who, who did he get picked up on? Anyways, one of those bees got picked up and they started um, making their own version of the game and they wanted to do a standalone DayZ because his mod was extremely successful. Now that alpha is really frustrating and you, if you want to talk about fatigue, this is the poster child for fatigue in an alpha. It came out, um, gosh, maybe a year and a half ago and it's still an alpha and they promised that it would go to beta maybe in about six months. Um, things happened with Dean Hall, who was the original creator of the mod, and it got extended. But without telling you the whole history of DayZ, extremely, extremely fun game. One of my favorite games I think I've ever played in my life, and it wasn't even a game. It was just a mod of, of uh, Arma 2. But I put thousands of hours into it. Um, absolutely fun. When thousands when the of hours? That's I a lot would, of hours, bro. Dude, I have that's, 300 hours in SimCity, and I Final hate SimCity. That's Final Fantasy 11 level, I feel yeah, like. No. Well, I don't know okay. that. I okay, put so I'm sorry. Hundreds. That's neither, neither here nor there. I put hundreds of hours <laughs> like into DayZ. Maybe a th- okay, not thousands, plural, but maybe a thousand hours <laughs> okay, okay. into DayZ. Yeah, let's put that. Into DayZ. And um, so when the standalone alpha came out, I was really excited for it. Started playing it. It was just unplayable which is like i said you can't blame them for an alpha that's their warning they even said before i paid them the money hey this is an alpha the game may be unplayable at times blah blah um never got better literally the development was a crawl at best i would say more of a guy without any appendages trying to move his chin to pull himself up <laughs> but, um, but i mean that's a very daisy like thing though don't you think don't you feel like the development the development no no i don't feel <laughs> <like> no. <laughs> 
I feel like I've been mistaken for a zombie. Did, in this did game. I don't walk like. up and shoot the Daisy development in the face? Is that what you're saying? So, but the um, the fatigue set in, and, and I know there was a whole group of us who were extremely excited to play this game. And now, even if the game comes out tomorrow, I don't I don't know how many people would be super excited. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'll buy it tomorrow. But I don't know how many people are super excited to continue playing. Where before we had a real solid following of players. All right, thanks for sharing that, Vin. Uh, Shai, you, I believe, were part of the Alpha in Destiny. Uh, how did that go? Because Destiny came out as a very polished game. Um, you know, it didn't have any SimCity-like troubles or, or, you know, Daisy development lag. But what do you remember from the Alpha of Destiny? Yeah, well, first of all, I remember that the Alpha for Destiny was a PS4 exclusive, and that is actually the reason I bought my PS4. I don't, I don't know how many, many people out there did that, but I, there, I'm sure I wasn't the only one. You know, Destiny was a very hyped game. Um but I, and the Destiny Alpha was great. It was it was really good. I think the level cap was pretty low. I think it was eight or ten. And basically, it allowed you to get to your first like quote unquote strike, which was like basically Destiny's version of dungeons. But it allowed you to kind of get up to that point, run run the first one of those, and then kind of that was it. But it allowed you to try all three classes. Like it allowed you into the first environment. It was cool. It was I thought it was really polished. It was a great experience. Um, I don't think there were a lot of game breaking bugs, as far as I remember, or really any bugs in general or like connection issues. I didn't play the Destiny Alpha, but. You may remember, on advice from somebody in this particular podcast, man, uh, I bought my PS4 for the beta of Destiny. Now, to be fair, I was going to buy one anyway, and that was part of the argument. But uh, So I guess that's two of us who purchased a PS4 <laughs> for Destiny-related reasons. Man, Destiny needs to start funny. getting some royalties. Yeah. <laughs> now, what I would well, say... If they've I already could, gotten yeah. one. They've gotten two podcasts from us. Like, <laughs> what else do they want? Jeez. <laughs> what, what I meant from yeah. uh, PlayStation. <laughs> not from us from sony yeah i think sony. i think i don't know they're lucrative they yeah they're lucrative yeah they're lucrative well, they had agreements a, like one of the first exclusives yeah yeah one of the first bundles i think besides um yeah, last the white, of us was the white destiny, destiny. The white destiny? I yeah. Yeah. Those. No. my brother got one it's awesome um i think uh, honestly though the destiny like not the destiny alpha but like the destiny beta would be that's where i would I admit that i felt fatigue in a, in a beta before because the beta was the very exact same as alpha and i remember like being like yeah. wow i don't want to play the beta and like you know what i mean like it was kind of disappointing so i think i don't and, think i played a lot of the beta since i'd played so much time in the alpha and i waited until the official release even as a beta it was very short i remember you get to like level seven or something or eight and that does not take very long <laughs> um let's talk about the betas and we promised in our last podcast that we would talk about the Battlefront beta that happened a couple of weeks ago. So we'd, uh, it would be very, very unprofessional of us not to get to Battlefront. So let's make some time for that. I think we all played Battlefront beta a little bit. Uh, Van, what were your thoughts? Um, aesthetically, the game is... and I, I know some people may think differently. I thought it was absolutely amazing. And I don't know why, but it is the little things. When those blaster lasers hit the side of a mountain and you see rocks flying and the laser actually split into like five to a dozen pieces like it just looks super cool the shading the shadowing everything looks amazing in that game colors it was absolutely beautiful you know um, I, I saw in a, a couple different places that they said the thing that they got the most right was the sound effects oh that like for sure. the, the lucas art Star Wars sound effects are spot on and I would agree with that yeah for sure. I got you know, the I got walkers chills. sound like walkers yep. and yeah, even just their movements, the leg movements and everything sounds exactly exactly like it's supposed to. Um, this is one of those games where I actually, yes, I signed on to it. I got that small taste of it, and literally that was enough for me. I probably put maybe one hour, two hours into the beta. I did not put a whole lot. Like Blade and Soul, I think Shine, I probably put, what, a dozen hours into it over the weekend? But with this one, um, 
I, I played it for about an hour, two hours, and I said, nope, I'm not going to kill the nostalgia because of those reasons we talked about, the fatigue and, you know, the, the sugar and rainbows wearing off. Um, played it a little bit, absolutely loved it. I know I'm going to buy it. In fact, I already paid for it full um, and can't wait for November 17th when it comes out. Chai, what were your experiences? I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think... Um... I think it looked good. It it played well. It was different, like playing a shooter that uh, you know that uh, that is maybe not so much aim down sights. You know, like you don't actually like aim down your sights. You just shoot more in like a hip fire kind of environment. But uh, I think that reliving the classic Star Wars battles is just such a cool idea. And, and I know, and they're, unfortunately for me, like one of the reasons I didn't play a bunch is some of the modes I'm most excited about weren't in the beta. One of one of the modes I'm most excited about is the is the dog fighting mode and i think i'm really excited about that mode and that wasn't available in the beta so you know what i mean like i just i just played a little bit like van said and and i'm looking forward to it. i'm going to pick it up as well yeah i think i'm probably good too i i'm in a similar situation i didn't give it a lot of time i uh i did i felt like it, having played the first two star wars battlefronts extensively i d- it didn't feel like battlefront to me it, and maybe it was just because it looked it did look so good and so crisp maybe it was because some of the like it was kind of limited game modes i think there was kind of like a like a six on six capture the point type of thing and then a like more of a, almost a situational thing where it's like you know the empire's trying to do this and the rebels are trying to do that and so i don't know maybe you know maybe it'll feel more like actual battle uh battlefront once the the full game is there, but uh, it didn't quite have the feel to me. I, I thought it was a very authentic Star Wars feeling appearance, or st- uh, authentic Star Wars feel and appearance. Like they really, like we mentioned, they they really got a lot of the details down, and that was important. But uh, um, I, I'll, I'll admit, I'm a little having played the beta, I'm a little bit less excited for it than I was. Um, what does excite me is that I think a lot of uh, obviously the three of us and a couple of our other friends are all. Um, kind of signed on for it so it'll be cool to to play with so many friends and i'm hoping that the game facilitates that well i'm kind of worried that there's that oh. i'm not sure what the matchmaking is going to look yeah, like that's and i mean, hope yeah. it's not weird i think it's worth you heard something no because yeah. i don't know if, i mean i don't know if you're referencing what we experienced in the beta but i mean in the beta when we played and i don't know if you were because i remember actually playing a lot with you when we tested the beta but it was very weird in the beta like there was a very weird like like hybrid party system involved and like it was very yeah. difficult to try to get a party together so i'm that's, hoping that is something yeah. that gets figured out before that's it comes what out. i'm wor- that's kind of what i'm worried about but we'll see i mean it's it's a game where it features you know large-scale battles i, I can't imagine they're gonna you know limit your ability to play with your friends it is ea so, Van, you can't cross out founders packs we gotta talk about founders packs i know we don't have time let's talk about blade and soul first though shy i want to start with you you we've already talked about it so maybe we only had to put a couple little things yeah. in. but um we want to talk about blade and soul because you guys have put some some time in yeah all i would say is i mean i think i thought it was a solid beta i think that the two things i noticed was um i think that um it could use some polish i think that controller support is something i'm interested in seeing if it changes and then i think the big thing that i thought was cool was like i tried getting in the first day like i know um like they they, they kind of opened it up a day earlier than i thought so i was trying to get in that first day and the next day and queues were horrible like probably some of the worst queues i've seen in a beta like you know they're these i mean who knows what the release queues will be like but i mean it was like you know three four hour queues just for the beta to get into the beta and um and i was not really expected but by like two days later there were no queues at all you could log in at like instantly and so i don't know if that was something a response from the developer kind of opening up like some different options like if that was you know stress testing really being a positive impact or if that was just players getting their fill early on and then just not trying it anymore um who knows but Mm. if it's if it was the first then that was cool uh yeah van what about you you played blade and soul as well as i believe and i think you're kind of looking forward to it 
Um, yeah, I'm still looking for. I've been like, yeah, this one's been on the radar for a few years now. Um, but uh, real simple. Um, it's following the trend that a lot of games are now, where it's too fast paced and it's too easy. Interesting. Interesting. So that's more of a complaint with the game itself than, than sure. the beta. Yeah, the, the, beta, the beta itself presentation. Well, just... and now that can change, which is why it's important because I did make those comments in the surveys that they sent out, you know, while you're playing the game. So hopefully sure. we'll, we'll see what, what kind of changes they make. Interesting. Uh, I want to touch on Founders Packs because we promised that we would explain what they are. What is a Founders Pack, Van? So a Founders Pack is typically, it's a bundle, um, and they come in uh, multiple tiers. Usually it's three tiers. It's an entry-level Founder Pack, which can range anywhere from $19 to $40. It'll have a mid-level, which can go all the way up to $90 to $100, or it'll have a top tier, which is about $150. What the Founders Pack allows you to do is um, typically get alpha access, beta or beta access, as well as perks, and the more perks you get will have to go um, depending on what tiered pack you buy. Now, what's interesting about the Founders Packs is that you can spend up to $150 before a game is even in alpha, but you will spend that, or some people spend it, including myself, I'm guilty with, with Arcage, to spend it to play the alpha and to get all the perks for it, you know, have the exclusive wings that will never be released again, and they tease you with all these things and dangle these carrots in front of your face. Um, but they also, most of these games are going to be free-to-play games, so they'll come with their game's currency in it, where Arcage, I can't remember what the currency was, but, you know, NCSoft has N coins and things like that. You'll come with a bundle of that. So, really, you're investing yourself into a game really deeply with a lot of money, before even trying out the game. I made the mistake once with Arcage, but you really got to push yourself to the limit before you can find out where the limit is. Um, I will never <laughs> do that again, to be honest. Uh, but but it is something that's out there. And uh, I guess the whales will continue to buy the most expensive one so that they can have that one wing or something. I mean, it, go, it goes back to that extra funding, right? Like you're paying very early on. It's it's almost it's almost a like a Kickstarter situation, right? This too. this is a lot like a, a crowdsourced Kickstarter thing where you're you're saying, hey, I'm I'm gonna commit to this game, and it may never come out. It may or it may come out and be terrible or not be at all what you thought. So uh, I don't know how often founders packs are able to be refunded. I'm guessing not very frequently, well, especially once Arcage the alpha or beta rolls around. Was so terrible that people were actually going through their credit card and getting it refunded on the credit card via the promise that the game wasn't what they said it was. Well, and remember, was, and they were they were being honored by their credit card. I don't know how many how many refunds they got, but they all they all got honored and they were bragging about them on the online forums. It was nuts. Well, part of that was because they actually changed some of the founders pack. They like did. Some of the, like advanced tier, they, like they changed remember? stuff about it. They, they dropped that ten percent, ten percent off thing. of all all purchases. Yeah, crazy. Sorry, we we were gonna give a little more time to Arcage, but I think you guys have probably picked up a lot about Arcage along the way. So, um, uh, I think unfortunately our time is up. I would love to continue talking about this but you'll just have to wait till next time uh uh i'm gonna go very quickly through the spiel we'd love to hear from you as always we are on twitter at focus target on youtube on our focus target channel our we can be emailed at focus target podcast at gmail.com and our blog is focus target.wordpress.com wordpress easy for me to say um please we'd love to hear your feedback give us your comments what you liked what you didn't like uh if you have ideas for the question of the day we're obviously scraping the bottom of the barrel because we're talking question of the day that's the same as our main topic we need your help come out and help us we'd love to hear from you thanks as always for listening uh this is the focus target podcast and i am smiley this is shy and I'm Van. As always, covers Borkins. We're out.